uh, last week I told you we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus taught on the kingdom of God for 40 days after his resurrection. 40 days he taught on the kingdom of God after he was raised. So, important subject. He's, he's leaving. There's a whole seminar he did. I'm leaving. You guys are it. You need to understand the kingdom. So, he taught for 40 days, and I'm going to do it in half an hour. How many think it's possible? <laughs> what we're going to get out of Thanks for Zach jumping, giving us some kingdom economics. And you know what's good about the kingdom is, in the kingdom, if you understand kingdom, we used to, you know, we have a queen and all that, and you understood kingdom. We had, but we don't have that as much. We're all voting tomorrow, right? You know, we're all voting for, we're voting for globalism or nationalism or some ism. I don't know what it is. But how many know I'm a citizen of the kingdom? So, I mean, I'll vote in this thing and I'll get engaged. But you know what? I'm not here to back any horse in the race. I'm here to back the King of Glory. And uh, thank God, Hallelujah! If I had to depend on all that stuff for what would happen with our nation, we'd be in big trouble. But thank God there's a bigger kingdom. And the eyes of the Lord are on this house because this is where the big decisions get made. All right. So we're going to talk about the kingdom. All right. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And Jesus teach on the kingdom. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel, the gospel, the good news. Repent. Say repent. 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 And believe the good news. All right, so that was Jesus' message. Isn't that good? Now, Jesus came and he, he said the time is fulfilled. What time? Well, all we've been, we went through the whole Old Testament. And the whole Old Testament talked about a day would come when the Messiah would come, a son of David would come. There'd come someone, uh, the seed of a woman, someone is going to come. And, and that law that has beaten us up, someone's going to come and he's going to fulfill the law, honor the law, and he's going to deliver us. And we're going to go from those stony hearts where we couldn't do anything and he's going to come and believing on him, he's going to give us a, a new heart and he's going to give us a new spirit so that we can honor him and walk in his ways. Well, Jesus is saying, that day you were hoping for, here it is. Here it is. The kingdom is come. The gospel of the kingdom has come. So literally, it's join the insurgents. Say insurgents. Because, you know, Jesus was at a time where they had a, a puppet king. They had the, you know, they, they set up a, a Jewish king there. But there was a king. It was the Roman king. And they would say, Caesar is Lord. Caesar is Lord. Well, here's Jesus with a message. You ready? I'm Lord. There's a new king in town. There's a new kingdom. And I'm the king of that kingdom. That is a pretty out there message. But that was Jesus' message. That was his teaching that the full revelation, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom is right here. It's within your grasp. And that was pretty amazing news. So a big deal, big deal. So literally, straight up, we're talking about an insurgence. Now, the Bibles that you've been reading, it's the New Living Translation. And the same verses in the New Living Translation. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached the good news. The time promised by God has come at last. It's come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Amen. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Praise the Lord. All right, let me show you another slide right here. Okay, now that's good because in this service we changed it a little bit because in the earlier service it said is not in the original geek manuscript. How many noticed that in the early service? A lot of people did. They pointed out, said, Pastor, that was kind of funny. You had the original geek manuscript on the screen. So it's, it's Greek. Say Greek. All right. 
Okay, so that is, that is the Greek. That's a transliteration of the Greek language. Boom, right there. So you got the Greek language of that verse. Now, if you pull out every one of those words, sin is nowhere in the original manuscript. Your sins isn't in the original manuscript. Sadly, the Bible that I gave you to read is one of the most brutal translations of that verse. I apologize. Because it reinforces in your mind that, you know, the first thoughts of God towards you is he's ticked off about your sin. And if I'm going to get you into my kingdom, the first thing we need to do is we need to deal with your rotten, wretched self. And so we reinforce that thing, and then we use that word, repent. Now, the word repent is... Uh, really a latin word it's reponentate and the latin word which should have been it should have actually translated the actual greek word the actual greek word is right there it's the third line uh just third from the end you see that word and that that word is uh, metanoia so it's meta is after and noia is a knowing so after knowing some new information about the kingdom i want you to enter the kingdom so i don't know how metanoia in the greek got turned into repent it's actually i think i cannot wait until somebody please does another translation of the bible and rips that out of there because all over the bible the word metanoia is translated as repent what does repent mean repent means re continue repeat your soreness Repeat being sorry. So here it is. Jesus saying, you know the promise that you all been longing for? It's come. It's come. Now be miserably sorry. Repeat your sorry over and over again and embrace the good news. And saddest, saddest translation. Give me another slide. Boom. A.T. Robertson, great theologian, uh, a fellow who, who began a, a lot of the whole Baptist communities, and, uh, but, but understood and accepted across the board as a, a very significant theologian. And he was speaking of another theologian named Brodus. Brodus, he used to say that this is the worst translation in the New Testament. The trouble is that the English word repent means to be sorry again from the Latin reponitet. John did not call on the people to be sorry, but he called on them to change their minds and to think afterwards, this is metanoia. Now that you've got this new information that the kingdom's within your reach, be sorry, continuously be sorry, and receive the good news. Miserable thing. I really think it's wrecked a whole lot of the body of Christ because we really think, and it puts this thing that somehow we got to be miserable for us to get God out of heaven to look our way. Hey, I'm really, I'm still really, really sorry. And yet we keep on repeating nonsense when he says, your sins I have separated, removed from you. I'll never ever remember them again. And yet we've got these bad translations that keep us in this cycle of despair. Okay, so it says, think afterwards, their mental attitudes should shift. And this was John's great word that he says has been hopelessly mistranslated. All right, give me another slide. Repent is a compound word. It means to redo your penance. And I really do think Jerome, you can go study Jerome. He's one of the Catholic brothers. And I really think they didn't mind that. It was in the Latin Vulgate. And a lot of the English verses were translated from the Latin Vulgate, not the original text. So uh, what happens is, Back then, they needed people to keep on giving money to the church so we could build cathedrals. And so the best way to make sure that these people keep showing up with money is to tell them that God really doesn't like you. But you know, if you bring a few more offerings, I can give them a word on your behalf. And they really didn't mind keeping the people in the cycle of miserable living. And I don't know why, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, somebody didn't just say, can't somebody translate that properly? 
Now, some of you like that repent word, and you've built your whole Christian life on it. Well, to you, I have to say, stop it! Okay. All right, just, just in case you checked out because I'm offended. He's taking away my repentance toy. Please, I hope I am. I pray with a spiritual scalpel. I would cut it out of your life once and for all. All right, because metanoia means it's a compound word, means afterthought. To think differently afterwards, that is reconsider. Change mind in light of the new evidence. So what he's saying is, here's the new evidence. You ready? Here's the new evidence. That old system you've been living under, everything is shift. All the good promises you've been hoping for, I got good news. It's fulfilled today. Woo! Now be miserably sorry. Wallow in the dust. And that's nowhere in it. Nowhere. The thought isn't even anywhere near it. That's why Jesus told parables like we did last week about the, the prodigal son. He, he's running home with that mindset. And Jesus was talking about the Pharisees because they had that, you know, miserable mindset. And, and they, you know, but here's, here's the son. The son is going, I've been terrible. I've, I, you know, I took everything. I wasn't a good son. And he's rehearsing his thing. The, the father never, ever let him give his speech. The father just said, get a robe, get a ring, get the sandals, kill the calf. Let's party! Because God is trying to show, Jesus is trying to show, is that you religious people are no fun. He's not into religion. He's into a relationship with his sons and daughters. Can I get an amen? Can I raise a hallelujah? All right, give me another slide because I don't know where I am. All right. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads to reoccurring and constant over and over doing of soreness and misery? Amen. That just stinks, doesn't it? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that it's the goodness of God that leads to you changing your mind and aligning yourself with all that good news I just shared with you? So do what I do. Scratch repentance out of your Bible and put, change my mind. All right? I permit you to do it. Oh, I'd never touch my Bible. Trust me. Do it. It'll change your world. Give me another slide. Here we go. All right, this fellow is Victor Frankl. How many have heard of Victor Frankl? Three people? If you read Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, written decades ago, but a fantastic book. Victor Frankl was uh, in the prisoner of war camps. He was actually in the, uh, I believe he was in Auschwitz, actually. And when he went there, he was a Jewish uh, fellow who went with his family, his mom, his dad, his wife, family. Every single person in his family was killed. Every single person, except him. And he said, you know what, I'm going to live, and I'm going to write about this. I'm, I'm keeping journals, and I'm writing about this. Because somebody needs to, you know, tell you. And, and so he realized all around him that, that people weren't just going to their death, but there were people who just, in the morning, they just didn't wake up. There were some people just, boom, they were just, you know, they just find out people just, they just died of despair. They just died of broken hearts. But he saw there's other people that came around the same time he did, and they're still there. And you know what? They're going through miserable things. It's, it's awful. The way they're, they're being humiliated and shamed and, and, and put to work like they are. It's horrible. They're starving them. They're beating them. They're humiliating them. But there's a group of people that say, I don't care what's happened to me. I'm going to live. 
I'm going to live. I'm not going to let them take away my right to choose what I do with my life. So here's what he said. Here's a quote from him. He said, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is your power to choose. It's your response. In our responses lies our growth and our freedom. So he's saying no matter what you're going through, between what you're going through and your future, between there, right there, there is a gap. And for you, there's a gap. No matter where you are today, there is a gap between you and your responses. And there's a place where you get to think about it. And you see, that's what, that's really what metanoia is. Metanoia is that I'm going to look at this and I'm going to decide, I'm going to evaluate things and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do about this. And so he realized that there was a whole bunch of people who had a great big why. Why am I waking up every day? Why am I showing up for this miserable life? Why am I doing that? I'm doing that because I got a purpose to get through even this miserable, horrible suffering. I'm going to suffer with dignity because I got a purpose that's going to see me through this and he made it through i mean powerful powerful testimony give me another slide here's here's a summary of the book if you don't want to read the book or can't find it i'll summarize it for you ready number one he says you got to find out your why I got through that because I knew I had a why. I had a why that was bigger than my oppressors. It was bigger than my problems. It was bigger than what I was going through. So you got a why. Do you have a why? And as he said, you got to know that you have freedom to choose your reaction in any situation. You're never a slave even to your own reactions. You're never a slave. I had to do that. I mean, I had no choice. You have a sovereign choice and you own it and you're the captain of your destiny. And then he said, realize that success and happiness are byproducts of your pursuit of why. You don't go after happiness. You don't go after success. If you'll go after the why, if you'll go after that purpose, what happens in your life is you're going to see success. You're going to see happiness because that why is bigger than all the miserable things you'll ever face in life. So that's Viktor Frankl. Pretty amazing thing. I mean, true, true story. Now, the smart people around today, they, they say the meaning of life, first of all, there's a proximal meaning and there's an ultimate meaning. And then the proximal meaning, proximal is it's in proximity. So why do I get up every day? Because I gotta. Because I woke up in proximity to my wife. And I woke up in proximity to her, so I had to get up. I gotta get to work. I gotta make sure we got a, a roof over our head. We gotta make sure we got food in the fridge. And I gotta, I just gotta show up every day because I got responsibilities that are within my proximity. You know how these things drive me to get stuff done. Well, you know, if that's all it is, if that's all it is, sometimes even that, you're gonna go, why am I doing this? Now, somewhere along the line, you're gonna push into a, some people never do. Some people just stay on the little treadmill of, I just gotta, 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 gotta. But some people go, there's gotta be more than this. Like every day, every day, it's every day, another day of every day. Somewhere you stop and you go, there's gotta be more to this than this. Like some of you woke up today and said, it's Sunday. What do I do Sunday? I go to church. That's what I do Sunday. I pay the God bill, hang out with a few people, da-da-da-da-da, and then I move on. And you know, if you only come to church because that's what us people do on Sundays, if that's the size of your why, you know what? There's going to become a lot of times when you say, why bother? Why do you come to church, pastor? Because I'm the pastor. It's been days I laid in bed and said, not today. And Cheryl said, you're the pastor, move on. Said, by the way, they pay you, so get her done. <laughs> That's not why I'm here. It's not why I do this. It's not even why I began this. When I first came here, they barely paid me. 
When I first came here, I was making about a fifth of what I made before I went to Bible school. And I went, oh my God, why am I doing this? But I knew why. And my why was bigger than anything I was going to face. Because I knew why I was here. Why are you here? Why are you in the body of Christ? Why are you in the kingdom? Well, you know, uh, I get to usher. Well, some people never usher because they don't even get to that why. Why should I usher? Because we need ushers. Because we're a family. Because we're a community. And in the family, we do stuff. Like at home, I was like, why should I empty the dishwasher? My wife's like, because you use the dishes too. And here's some more motivation. If you don't, I'll smack you. So, no, she would never say that. I'm speaking out of turn. But your why has to, has to go. So why are you here? And you know, you can get careless with a lot of things in life if your why is not something that is significant and powerful and bigger than just, that's what you do. Because I tell you, if that's just what you do, you'll find a lot of reasons to do something else. A lot of analogies. Wasn't that fun? Was that fun for anybody? All right, give me another slide. We've got to move on. But there's ultimate meaning. Step into ultimate meaning. Oh, here we are. Kingdom. You ready? Kingdom. See, what Jesus did was Jesus introduced the why. Jesus introduced the why we're doing this. And if you're just doing church for any other reason except kingdom, like you see what Zach just did brilliantly with giving. If you're not giving because of kingdom, you don't get it. But when you get kingdom, giving isn't difficult because it's a part of the culture. It's a part of the DNA of who you are because you understand the why of the kingdom. All the givers say amen. All right. So, so seek ye first the kingdom of God, your first priority, your only priority. Put the kingdom before everything else. Put his righteousness, not your righteousness, put his righteousness. And all these things shall be. See, the pagans go after things. I know you need things. The pagans all go after things. I don't want you going after things. I want you to set a single focus that my kingdom and me, my righteousness, me, the righteousness of me, not your righteousness, my righteousness. Seek that. Put that always before you. And you know what? The stuff is going to track you down and overtake you. And you're going to have more than enough blessing to handle. When you understand that, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. A little bug on my podium. That was awesome. I didn't know what his purpose was, so I squished him. Why? Okay. Father, forgive me. I know not what I did. Isaiah chapter 9. Here, here's, here's back, back in the old covenant. We were looking at this stuff. It said, for to us a son is born, a child is born and a son is given. Dynamic, that phrase. But the government, the kingdom, the reign, his rule will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of his government and his peace, of the reign of his government and the culture, the peace of his covenant, our government, it will never ever end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David. He'll be the Messiah. David, the promise, the Son of God, for all eternity, the passionate zeal, the Holy Ghost, the commitment of the God, the Lord of the armies of heaven, will make this happen. That was promised by Isaiah. Jesus is saying, this is happy now. Repent. Change your mind and embrace this new reality that you get to walk in. So good right there. Boom. Also, Daniel. Go to Daniel. 
Daniel chapter 2, verse 24, during the reign of those kings, he saw this, the king had a vision of, of the, the big statue, right? And the statue was all, all the different nations, all the cultures and nations that have ever been. And then he saw a, a rock was cut out without hands, and this big rock, and the rock is Jesus. That's what it is. It says, this rock came, and when this rock came, this rock obliterated and destroyed every other nation in the world. And you see, what Jesus was saying, that God is going to come and set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all those kingdoms in the nothingness, but the kingdom of God will stand forever. And you see, Jesus is saying all these promises, all these things, there's so many more, just a couple there. He said all of these promises right now. Here's the kingdom, folks, the kingdom that'll never end, the kingdom that will increase and fill all the earth. That kingdom is here. It's within your reach. All the influence of it. I'm telling you, all those things are here right now. So be really, really happy. Change your mind and align yourself with that good news. There's a lot of believers today who have still not aligned themselves with kingdom. They're still living in old covenant mosaic nonsense. They don't even know what it is to be free. They don't know what it is. They don't really understand Jesus' primary message was the kingdom of God is here. Good. That was good. All right. Give me another slide. Thanks. Revelation eleven fifteen. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. And he shall reign forever and ever. His, his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Romans eleven thirty six. for of him and through him and to him are all things to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. There's so, there's so much. 40 days he taught on this, I get half an hour. You see, all the kings of the world are going to become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. He's here to take over, folks. You might vote tomorrow. You might vote for somebody who believes in globalization and socialism. Somebody who believes in nationalism and, you know, the, the nation and capitalism. You know, all the isms are nonsense. We get involved, we participate in it, but I'm literally a citizen of another kingdom. And I engage that and I get involved in that, but I don't want to come and buy into their nonsense because their nonsense will never help us. I want to come and I want to influence and I want to bring the kingdom everywhere I go. That's what we want to do. And that's what we're called to do in a big, big way. All right. So uh, Matthew 11, 11 to 13 said, I tell you the truth. All who have ever lived, there's none greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So he's saying the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, the greatest person to hold Old Covenant was John the Baptist. But he said the least person, if you can measure it, I don't know how. But he said the least person in the kingdom is greater than him, which is so amazing. Huh? Even if you think, well, I'm the least, you know what? In the mind of God, you're better than John the Baptist. No, couldn't be. Yeah, accept the word of God, line up with it, align your mind, metanoia, and say, I agree, I receive it. It says, and from the time of John the Baptist, he began preaching the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present Time. And folks, we're living in that present time. We are living right now in the kingdom age. We are living in a place where we are living under the full-blown manifestation of the kingdom of God. Amen. So kingdom, what is the kingdom? Kingdom, kingdom, you have a ruler, you have a realm, and you have a revelation. That's what kingdom, king, domain. There's a king, there's a domain. There's a king, there's a realm, and in that realm there's revelation. Or you could say there's rules. I just hate the word rules, so I said revelation. All right? But those three things are necessary if there is a kingdom. So you don't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. And we have a king, and guess what? Our king wasn't voted in. 
Our king achieved his status. He was raised and he ascended. And it says when he ascended, he was given the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Jesus was named Jesus and Jesus was a king. He came as the son of God, but he achieved his kingship through conquest. He is the king and he has a domain. There's a domain. And right now, not everything is under the domain of the kingdom of heaven. Not everything is. The only things under the domain of the kingdom of God are those things that we have brought under kingdom rule. And we get to do that. We get to everything that has acknowledged his reign, everything that has brought itself not repented, but has metanoid itself under the revelation of kingdom, that brings itself and has found itself in the fear. Those who believe, like Zach said, I'm not achieving a kingdom mindset. It was a gift. So where the gift has been received and we've aligned ourselves with the revelation of it, we are ambassadors and representatives and citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Wowzer! And you see, because of that, we have commonwealth. I don't operate out of what I can do. I get to because I'm a kingdom person. I operate out of the commonwealth of the kingdom. I'm not limited to what I can achieve. I literally can operate and I can dream as big as the commonwealth of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom. Church. Church is awesome. But you know, the church can be shaken. Kingdom can never be shaken. And the church's purpose is to reveal the kingdom. All right, so there's a realm, there's a revelation, there's a culture. There's a kingdom culture. You can come into a place and you can come to a church and you go like, oh, this is kingdom. You walk into a place, you go like, oh my goodness. There's things where kingdom is manifest. They understand the love of God. They understand the grace of God. They understand that they have a benevolent king who has poured upon them every benefit. And they realize that they are, they are just receivers of a glorious kingdom. And they understand how to be dispensers. Freely receive, freely give. And there's a place you can come into a kingdom culture and you know you're there. And the church should manifest a kingdom culture. Kings, well, the king's word shapes our ways and our values. So the king's word, the culture is based on the king's word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Definition of the kingdom. You ready? Romans 14, 17. I want to define it. Well, the best definition is in the Bible. Don't you like it when the Bible defines these things? Are you ready? All right. For the kingdom of God is. Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not eating and drinking. You have to look in the context of what he was talking about. But he said the kingdom of God is, what is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So grammatically, I can put a comma or, or I can put brackets around righteousness, peace, and joy. And I'm just going to move it up here. All right, so I'm going to whoop. Then I'm going to bring the rest together. And what do you have? The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom is in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom is in your abiding, abundant relationship with the Holy Spirit. The whole, he taught on the kingdom, and then he said, don't go anywhere. Wait until you're endued with power from on high, because you cannot do the kingdom without the power of the kingdom. The dynamic of the kingdom is the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God will be found in your abiding, living relationship with the Holy Ghost. Hey, 
But here it is. Here's those three things. What is the ruler? Him. His righteousness. He is righteous. I, what do I get? I get his righteousness. I don't try to be righteous to get into the kingdom. I get his righteousness. The ruler, his righteousness. What is the realm like? It's peace, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. In his kingdom, in his place where you're there, you have the righteousness of the king and you have the realm of the king, which is his peace. And then what is the revelation of the kingdom, pastor? The revelation of the kingdom is ha, ha, ha. It's full of joy. Well, that's awesome. Well, let's unpack that just a little bit, all right? The kingdom of God. Are you ready? I'm going to unpack that a little bit. The ruler. Jesus is the king by conquest. Uh, Psalm 24, 8 to 10. Who is the king of glory? This is the song of ascensions. This is Jesus when he's ascending into heaven. You see, when he left heaven, he didn't look like what he was when he came back. Because he's coming back in an earth suit. He's coming back a very real man. He's very real God. But he has limited himself for all eternity as a man. So suddenly the angels who are guarding the heavenly realm. And the gates of heaven. They're standing going, who's this guy? And all of them with him. He, he conquered everything. He vanquished everything. He led captivity in his train. And here he is ascending back to the throne of God to take his rightful seat as the king because he achieved it by conquest. And here he is ascending and everybody with him, they're like, who is this? David's like, are you kidding me? He's the king of glory. It's the Lord strong and mighty. Woo! And they're like, are they telling, are they saying that's Jesus? Don't look like him. But see, when he ascended, he took his throne and he took his reign and he took his rule. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to enable us and to empower us to be everything we're called to be. So who is he? Who is the king of glory? It's the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. What is he the king of? He's the king of glory. Hallelujah. So we got a ruler. He is a king. You're not. He didn't get voted in. And that king is King Jesus. John chapter 18, when he got questioned by Pilate, he never talked to the religious people. They brought him. He didn't say a word. Because you know what? He doesn't talk to religious people, but he will talk to kingdom people. And the religious people today, they're going, smacking him, speak, why don't you say something? He, he wouldn't even have a conversation with him. But then when he was brought before Pilate, he realized Pilate was in a realm where he could talk. Kings can talk to kings, we can have a conversation. And Pilate said, you know, people say that you're a king, is that right? And he said, it is as you say it is. He said, wow, so you are a king then. And Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king, and for this cause, the why behind it all, why Jesus because I came to be the king of kings. I came to secure and, and rescue and to win back and restore every intention of my father. I came to get all this precious stuff that I love. And I came to secure it completely and bring it into the kingdom of light. No more darkness ever. I am light. I'm all light. Never is there darkness. I am completely in the kingdom of his light. You say rightly that I am a king, and for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth, and everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So there is a king. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. This is, this is good, Pastor. I'm enjoying this. Thank you. Okay, that's good. Okay, we'll keep going. Then. Realm. God wants a realm. So this realm, there is a kingdom of priests. Now listen to this. God wants a kingdom of priests, not priests in the kingdom. God's looking for a kingdom of priests, not priests in the kingdom. He's looking for people who understand their right to rule and to be a bridge, to be a, a pontiff, to be something that can reconcile as a king with authority, can reconcile all things to the Father. 
So there is a king and then there's a realm. And you see, we're a part of that realm. You see, the realm of God is, is, is not everything, but everything will. There's going to come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But right now, we, as the church, have been given authority to exercise and manifest his kingdom everywhere we go and to enforce the reign of the king of glory. What an amazing thing. And we get, to, we get the right to do that. We're empowered to do it. We have all authority and all power to bring about all of heaven wherever we go. Holy Mackinac, don't you wish that were true? It is true. It is true. God wants a kingdom. Second, First Peter 2, 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is there anybody in the light? Anybody here in the light? Three people sitting under a light? That's awesome. You know, if you're a believer... And, and you heard the good news. Jesus said the kingdom's within your reach. Receive it. If you've received it, you are now. He's the king of kings. I'm King Carl. This is King Stephen. And this is King Jen. You don't want to be a queen, did you, Jen? You want to be a king. I am royalty. I, I am a child of God. And everywhere I go, I operate with all the resources of the heavenly realm. Do you understand that? You got to understand it because that's who we are. So there's a realm and we have a responsibility to secure and manifest that realm. Second Corinthians 3.17. Now the spirit of the Lord is the spirit. The Lord is the spirit. And where the, sadly, here's how it should say, where the spirit of the Lord is Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is embraced as Lord, where the lordship of the spirit is celebrated, there is liberty. Because the Spirit's everywhere, but where the Spirit is received as Lord, where the Spirit is embraced as Lord, where that happens, the sphere of the kingdom is in manifestation. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Only believe. And when you begin to believe who you really are, when you begin to metaneo, when you begin to align yourself with the revelation of Jesus Christ about who you are, you start to manifest the realm. And you start to be a carrier of the realm. And then your shadow starts healing people at Tim Horton's. Ha! Ha! All right, got another couple of verses. I got this far and I had to stop in the morning service because I was already too long. Say, hurry up, Pastor. Okay, here we go. You ready? Matthew chapter 13, the parables. I love these parables. There's so many parables. The, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, two really simple ones. The kingdom of God is like yeast and the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. What is he saying? It's going to grow. It's going to increase. It's going to thoroughly expand until it fills everything and thoroughly impacts everything. What is the kingdom of God going to do? It's going to impact the whole world. What's going to fill the world? The glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth as the waters cover the sea. This thing is going to expand. It's going to crush everything in its sight. And his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And all the nations of this world have become the nations of our God and his Christ. And he shall reign forever. Man, I should have been a boxing announcer. Hey, would have been so good. All right, so that's that's the realm. All right, let's quickly look at the revelation. You ready? Revelation, Acts 2.29. You've made known to me the ways of life. You make me full of joy in your presence. You've made known me the ways of life. What are the ways of life? You fill me with your joy in your presence. You know what? The realm of the glory of God is joy. So you got two seconds to get happy. I'm not in the kingdom. Why? I just can't get happy. Yeah, you can. James 2 verse 8, it says, If you really fulfill the royal law, which is the royal law of love, if you really fulfill that according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
you know, love is a part of the kingdom. When you run into kingdom people, you're going to find a, a joyful group of people who love everybody. They love everybody. Even the current prime minister. You don't turn the channel off. Oh, him again. <laughs> no, you watch. You go, in the name of Jesus. He might be the leader again. Father, bless him. Nothing is too hard for you. Bless him, Father. Bless his young family. In Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm going to manifest a nasty thing on Facebook. <laughs> That's actually not kingdom. That's another kingdom. And sadly, people in the kingdom can manifest another kingdom. I don't know why that happens. But anyway, okay, so well, there's a revelation. There's a manifestation of the kingdom. There's a king, there's a realm, and there's a revelation. So uh, Matthew 16, verse 19, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, declare improper and unlawful on earth, must be, this is a great translation, it's the Amplified Translation of this, it must be what's already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose or declare unlawful, it must be what is already loosed. So therefore, to bind and loose, you must be in a relationship with God to understand what is already bound and loosed. You can't just walk around, I bind you! I bind you, I loose you, I bind you, loose you, bind you, loose you, loose, 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 bind, bind, bind. You have and you walk in the authority of the believer because you're a citizen of the kingdom and you have rights and privileges. And when you know that, you don't get results by crying, you get results by declaring because you know who you are. So you're not begging, God, please do this for me. You know you have authority and you announce it. And when you get a revelation that this is the way this should be ordered in a situation, you command it to line up with the revelation of the kingdom. And that, see, kingdom people, they know how to be happy. They know how to love everybody. And they know how to insist that something stops and some things are loosed and released. And they know what they have authority to bind and to loose. And they're functioning in it every day. All right, give me another slide. His gift, his rule, his ability, his glory, the influence of the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. He spoke about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was the theme of Jesus' teaching. His last teaching before he left, he spent 40 days teaching the kingdom of God because it's really important that you know it. All right, another slide. All right. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. You shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Then First Chronicles or Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, blah, blah, blah. It is a matter of power, power, power. All right, if you guys on the slides can go back up to kingdom. Uh, just before I start with ruler, there's a slide I want to see that I, I skipped. Thank you. This is important. Can you watch this? Even if you haven't been paying attention, you just checked out somewhere back in slide three. Just come back. Come back to me. Come back. Kingdom. We're not trying to make the world a better place. We are the better place. We're not out there, you know, you guys need to change. Stop sinning. We're not trying to make the world a better place. We are the better place. And you see, people are going to come in contact with the better place, and they're going to go, that's a better place. And then there's suddenly, you know, like, Caitlin, she got invited by somebody here. She came here, and she said, well, there's my place and the world I've been living in, and there's this place that I'm observing, and, you know, it's a better place. And, you know, we never, ever told Caitlin, stop growing pot. I'm really sorry that I outed Caitlin because, and you know what, I don't mean to drag that and throw that in her face because God has put all of that in the sea of his forgetfulness, except I remember. <laughs> you know, never once did we, we, we 
Okay, you coming to Jesus, getting baptized? All right, here's a list of things you need to deal with if you're going to be a part of our club. Now, you know, our club accepts everybody totally. You know what you get on day one? You get to belong. You're in. Well, but they have problems. Well, so do you. Come on. I mean, my God. Like, good Lord. I visited your Facebook. Okay, so... And then you know what? You suddenly get a revelation of what's going on. You're like, are you saying this? Yeah, we are. You know, I believe that. And then you know what? Your behavior and all the rest of that stuff, it all flows out of, first of all, proper connection to the headship of Christ. People can't change. Who can, who can, who can clean their heart? Who can? Nobody can. Every one of us, we're compelled by the master. And every one of us, it's a miracle that you're standing on two feet. Trust me. Trust me. I don't know why I did that, but tr trust me. Look, we're not trying to make the world a better place. We are the better place. We're the church. We're the called out community that Jesus is building. He's building this church. He has built an alternative civilization that spills over organically salt, light, and love, confronting and healing the brokenness in our world. For me, that's kingdom. It's not a lot of those other ranting and crazy things that go on. We're the kingdom. We're here to make sure the Republicans get elected. Hallelujah. Because that's the kingdom. Glory to God. Really? There's a real lot better kingdom in the Bible. It's the Green Party, right? Just freaked out a whole lot of people right there. At least they want to take care of the planet. That's in the Bible. You know. Just, just, okay, go back to where I left off. Thank you very much for helping me. Appreciate that. Here, look at this. Beautiful stuff. You ready? We're almost done. Turn to your neighbor's day. We're almost done. Somebody gave their heart to Jesus in the first service. It's good, good, good. You ready? Luke chapter 12, 32. Do not be seized with alarm or struck with fear, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to allow you to earn the kingdom. He'll let you go and learn the 25 steps of the 35 ways. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You know how you enter the kingdom? Like you came to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, it's a miracle. You're born from above. It's his good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. So how do I get all of this fabulous stuff? Only believe. It's a gift from God. Because he's that nuts about you. Amen? Amen. Give me another slide because I'm just about there. God wants a kingdom of priests, not priests in the kingdom. Revelation 1, 4, and 5. All glory to him who loves us, who's freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood. He has made us to be kings and priests. He made us kings and priests. He made us a kingdom of priests. He made us a royal family that is manifesting. We are pontiffs. We are bridges to a community. We are being reconciled to God. Be Look at our community. Look at us. Look at us. Like, would you really hang out with these people normally? You know what's beautiful about church? Is you get people from all kinds of backgrounds come together. They unite themselves under the blood of Jesus Christ, set free, and we just love everybody. I don't care where you're from, what you've done, right? I don't care what nation you're from. I don't even care if you disagree with my theology. Hang around a little while, I'll try to convince you. But anyways... I just am nuts about you. And we want to manifest a culture like that, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? How are we doing? We're doing real good. Because, you know, we understand the kingdom's a gift. And we cut everybody a whole whack of slack. Because we know that God can do everything. 
He can do it. You know, Dolores was here in the first service last week. She came up, got prayer from several people. I prayed for her too. And she had to go in because they took some exercise, did some tests. They said, you got two blockages in your heart. And they said, we're going to go up through your wrist. You're going to go all the way to your heart. And we're going to put two stents in. So she went in on Wednesday and they put her under and did this procedure. And then when they woke her up, they said, Dolores, we checked out your heart and we didn't put anything in because it's all good. So she showed up at small group and she's saying, I got the bandages still here and everything. They went and checked out my heart. You know what, Pastor? It's all good. Do you know what happened between bad x-rays and reports to, wow, it's all good. You know what happened in between those two things? In the name of Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in Dolores' heart as it is in heaven. Dolores, your heart does not have blockages in it. The purpose of God for you is not blockages. Well, I'm getting a little older. As my days are, so my strength will be. All right. Made us to be a kingdom of priests. I think I got one more slide, I think. Oh. I like to conclude on a high, you know. High. <laughs> Come on, stand up with me. Hey. Hey, Bob, tell the nursery workers that the pastor's finished preaching. Ten four, good buddy. Got something sticking off your head there. All right. Father, we love you. I love this church. I, I'm so honored that these are my family. They're my beloved, precious friends. Father, I love them so much. And we're just all praying. Everybody's praying. We're just praying. Now listen, maybe you're here today, you wandered in, and hey, you know, metanoia, translator said repent, but metanoia really means just change your mind. You've got some new facts today. You've got some truth shown to you that it's the good pleasure for the Father to give to you the kingdom. He's your Father. What a crazy revelation that was for people. Massive shift. You ready? You know who God is in the kingdom? He's your Father. You know your Heavenly Father loves you. Your Heavenly Father wants you to come in. He wants you. He has made everything ready for you. Come on. Come on home, child. Come on home. 